You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. We have been through a journey, and today, this journey comes to an end. And I have enjoyed it. By the way, next week we start our Christmas series. Uh, man, bring somebody, uh, because that is an amazing time and people's minds are open. But before I read this first passage to you guys, let me bring out some of my old friends over here that are going to help me with today's message. And these are some of my long, long-time buddies. These are my hula hoops. You guys ever seen my hula hoops before? Uh, if you've been here any amount of time, you know this is my favorite prop. Uh, so let me, let me read you guys a passage. It's from Genesis 1, and it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And so in, in the beginning, God creates this place, and the place has a name. It's called the Garden of Eden. That's right. And so God creates this place where heaven and earth are one, uh, where, where we're united, where we're walking with God in the cool of the morning, where we are with him. And, and it's like there's unbroken connection with God. It's connection that we were designed to have. It's the connection where uh, we're naked in front of him and there is no shame, right? And naked means I'm fully known by God and I, and I have no shame and no sin. And, and man, we're just, we're just doing life in the garden, right? And then, y'all know what Eden means? Anyone know what Eden means? Paradise, delight, either one. It means perfection, right? It's a place we were designed to enjoy life with God. And so we had that. And then there was a little three-letter word that crept into the world uh, because of our choice. Does anyone know what that little three-letter word is? Sin. Boom. Man, you guys are good. Sin. And so sin caused a problem in the garden. You know what it caused? Separation. A disconnect. Now heaven and earth were separate. Now God and man were separate. Now we've talked a lot that there, were, there have been overlaps Throughout history, you know, Jesus' resurrection created an overlap. When Jesus was with us, there was an overlap. And, and through the temple, there was an overlap. But we haven't had what we were designed to have, which is perfect, unbroken connection. There was a break because of sin. Because we chose our way over God's way, and it damaged the relationship. And so Eden was lost. Man was thrown out of Eden thrown out of the perfection that we were designed to experience. And if you read the rest of, of this book right here, the rest of this book is God repairing what we broke. And could he have done it? In just Yeah, he could have. But God chose to repair these things through people like us. He chose to allow us to be part of the plan to redeem what us broke. And so uh, God's plan is amazing, but he's working to bring the full connection back. Again, and that's, that's what we see in the rest of the story. And today, guys, today, what a, man, I am so, hey, turn to somebody and say, I'm glad you're at church today. Go ahead, right now. I'm glad you're at church today. Man, I'm glad you're at church today. Glad you're at church. Glad you're at church. Really, really, I'm glad. Even if you're not glad, you should say it to somebody. I'm glad you're at church. <laughs> glad you're at church, right? But here's why we're all glad. Because today we hear the rest of the story. Today the story resolves Today it completes what, what you've all been uh, searching for the meaning of life. Today you get it. You've all been searching for the big why. Today you hear it. This is the point of everything that has happened across all of humanity. Today it resolves. And what a good day to come to church, right? Uh, the, whole, the whole Moses thing, 
pointing to something. The whole Noah thing pointing to something. The whole Old Testament and the laws and the prophets and all pointing to something. Then you had Pentecost where, you know, the Holy Spirit comes in pointing to something. You had this virgin birth uh, and a sinless life. And then you have the church and then you have me and you have you and you have all these things and they're all pointing to one massive conclusion. And today we get to read it. Amen. The word that comes to my mind is hallelujah. Some of you forgot we're now the repeat hallelujah church. We've only been doing it for a little while, so it's okay. Um, and what we're, what we're going to read today is not an all-encompassing story of the end of the world. Uh, it, it's not everything. It's not every single thing that God plans to do as he resolves this problem, but it is sufficient. It's not everything, but it's enough. It's enough to give you hope. It's enough to give you peace. It's enough to give you purpose. It's enough so that you can have joy during difficult times. It is enough so that you can live the life God has called you to live. Amen? All right, we're going to read a lot of the Bible today, at least Revelation 21 and 22. Um, so you can open your Bible, Revelation 21, 1, and uh, let's, let's get started. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write these things down. For these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost and the spring and the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this. And I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, the liars, they will be consigned to a fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Okay, that list of sins there at the end. Most of us are thinking, man, I've been guilty of at least one of those at some point. Does this mean I'm out? And what that means is those people who are still defined by their sin are in trouble. If you are defined by your sin, remember, if, if you're judged before God based on your perfection, then you're in a pickle. But if you're judged before God by the blood of Christ, then you are no longer defined by your sin. You're defined by his victory. And so for those who have given their life to Christ, for those who are defined by the victory of Christ... Something special awaits them. I love it, man. Uh, for the people who've died before us, I, I don't think they're uh, just sleeping somewhere. I think they're, they're experiencing something wonderful. But whether you're living or, or whether you're already dead, I think we're all awaiting some moment. We're all awaiting to return to Eden. We're all waiting to be reunited back to this paradise. To experience in full what we only in this world ever experience in part. And this is the story of it. And, 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 and everything is redeemed. I think one of the really cool things about, about, this, about understanding this new heaven and this new earth, uh, which you know heaven and earth come back together as, as one and we're united in this place. And whether you agree with that 100% or not, what we all agree with is everything is redeemed and restored. All of creation this is always a difficult thing for humans to understand, but we're not maybe the sole focal point of the whole story. 
All of creation is redeemed and restored. Every, do y'all raise your hand if you like sunsets? Sunsets. Surely everyone likes sunsets. Some of y'all don't like sunsets? Honestly, that explains a lot. Um, yikes. You ever seen a perfect sunset? The answer is no. Wouldn't you like to? Wouldn't you like to experience the, the perfect? Everything we see is a broken, damaged image of what God designed for us to see. The greatest waterfall, and I love how it says there will be no more seas, S-E-A's. Well, what he's not saying is there will be no more ocean. I know for, I am convinced there is ocean in paradise. I'm convinced of this. Seas in the Old Testament darkness and, and sea was chaos. That's what he's talking about. What he's saying is there will be no more chaos. There won't be darkness. Everything will be redeemed and restored exactly as God always intended for it to be. Everything in this world liberated from bondage. See, we, we've been sold a really bad idea of the afterlife. We've been sold an idea of the afterlife through movies and maybe through poor preaching or through, I don't know, whatever, of this idea that, number one, we all turn into angels, which you do not. None of you will become an angel. There are created set amount of angels. We're not going to become angels. And, and here's, we're not going to sit on clouds and play harps for all of eternity. No offense if you're a harpist, um, like, I love you, but you and I are going to have a limited amount of time where we're going to sit next to each other <laughs> listening to the harp, right? I mean, it's just, that's not eternity, but that's, that's what we've been sold. Instead of understanding that God is going to redeem all of this brokenness and we're going to experience perfection. I mean, some of you in this place, I know this, some of you have an amazing relationship with Jesus. I feel like I've got a good relationship with Jesus. He and I are, you know, I, I love him and, and I'm learning more about him. I'm learning to serve him. I feel like I've got a good, many of you have a good relationship with Jesus in this world. But I'm willing to bet you still occasionally cry. Don't you? Anyone here not cried in the last 10 years? That's good. We cry. You know why we cry? Because there's pain in this world, isn't there? How many of you have ever had your heart broken in this world? The answer is everybody in the room. Ever, ever lost somebody you loved? Ever lost something you cared about? Ever had great pain in this world? Have you ever cried in this world? Even though you know Jesus, the presence of your tears aren't indicative of a lack of faith. They're showing that we live in a broken world. And so I cry sometimes. I cry sometimes when I watch the news. I cry sometimes when I leave church on Sunday and I feel like, man, I'm pouring out everything and it's just not sticking. I cry sometimes when I'm on social media and I see the division that we have allowed to create in this world. I cry for what sin has done in my life. I cry when I repent to God for the choices I have made. I cry for what sin has done in your life. I cry in this world. So do you. But not forever. Verse 4, he will wipe every tear from our eyes. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Isn't that, isn't that good? Is that good news? That one day, there will, as your heart broken, it won't be broken forever. It won't be broken forever. Is there pain in this world? It won't be like this forever. Is there injustice and racism and bigotry and hatred and pride? And all, yeah, they all exist, but it won't be like this forever. And one day we will be face to face with the king of the world. And he will say, let me show you something. He'll say, let me show you what I was doing. 
Let me show you what I was doing. I, I didn't take your loved one from you. I received your loved one. And, and, and he's going to say, and the whole time you were going through that, when you were going through that divorce, when you were at that funeral, when you were in that moment, when you were at that hospital bed, when you were watching those things, the whole time you were there, I was there. And as you mourned, I mourned. And as you cried, I cried. And as you hurt, I hurt. But I knew this. I was going to make all things new. And we will look at God, and I believe this in my heart, and we will say, now I know. Now I see. Now I get it. You were always there. It was me and you. You really did have the whole world in your hands. That's a moment I long for. How about you? That's the good news. Verse 9, this is, this, is, this is incredible. What I'm about to describe for you guys is what the new heaven and the new earth will look like. Um, so get ready, because this is a long passage, and it's going to make complete sense to everybody. Verse 9, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said, by the way, when you see the seven angel with the seven bowls, the seven, if he's coming towards you, be nervous. But in this particular scene, he's got good news. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God. And its brilliance was like that of precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east and three on the north and three on the south. And there was on the west, the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles. The angel who talked to me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it was long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement, and it was 144 cubits. A cubit is the length of your elbow to, your, to the top of your middle finger. Thick. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper and then sapphire and the third agate and the fourth emerald and the fifth onyx and the sixth ruby and the seventh crystallite and the eighth beryl and the ninth topaz and the tenth turquoise and the eleventh, somewhere with a J that I don't know how to pronounce, and the twelfth amethyst. The 12 gates were the 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was as gold, as pure, as transparent glass. Uh, okay. I feel like I know exactly what that looks like. Everyone got a good image of that in their brain right now? Okay. So they're topaz. Okay. All right. I think, I think he's saying something, but it is possible that he's not actually giving us a completely literal description of what this thing will look like. He's describing a shape. Does anyone know what shape he's describing? A cube. A cube. Y'all know what a cube is? I hope so. Just think Rubik's and then, right, that's a cube. And for the ancient Hebrews, the cube was the most perfect of all the shapes. It was a perfected shape. And so what he is describing with all of this language that doesn't mean a lot to us, but meant a lot to the people in ancient Israel, he was describing a perfected 
kingdom with, per- with perfect symmetry. You know, some of you guys can, some of you have this gift where you walk into a room and you can see the things wrong. Any, any of y'all, those people where you walk in, if something's a little like crooked, like you, it throws you off for the rest of the time you're in there. I'm not that guy, but it's because my, one of my legs is sometimes shorter than the other one. So everything's crooked to me most of the time. But like for some of you, like that, 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 that's a thing, right? But what he is describing is a kingdom void of defect, a kingdom without error, a kingdom without defect. It's perfected, and it's glorious, and it's wonderful. And whatever you're imagining, that's, that's better. Whatever I'm, whatever I'm trying to describe to you is honestly like an ant trying to tell other ants about a big screen television. Because we, it's so much better than anything we could ever imagine. When he perfects this world, it will be so much greater than anything we could ever possibly imagine. But we know there will be perfect symmetry, perfect harmony, and perfect proportion. And listen, this next verse may be my favorite one. Verse 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nation will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor onto it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, and there will be no night there. The glory of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it. But anyone who does what's shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. If you're a good Jewish person, there's been one place your entire life where you could bank on finding the presence of God. Does anyone know what it is? The temple. That's where you found the presence of God, right? And, and, and many of us, you know, we still come to church to find the presence of God because we don't yet realize we bring the presence of God. But in, in the Old Testament, the temple was where you found. And so a good Jewish person, when he says there is no temple, they would have been like, where will we worship? And he goes, it's all the temple. This is, this is like when, when, when Jesus says, hey, you disciples, do you all know the way? And they said, we don't know the way. And he said, I am the way. It's all the temple. Everywhere is the full, unbroken presence of God. Everywhere tears are wiped from your eye. Everywhere you experience the fullness of life you were designed to know. Revelation 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, throwing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life. Anyone ever heard the tree of life before? What book is that in? Genesis. Good job, guys. The tree of life. Bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. All the leaves of the tree are for healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Okay, what is he describing here? There's a river that runs through. The river is the grace of God. There's a tree of life in the middle. What does this sound like? The garden of? This is Eden restored. This is what was broken restored. And Adam and Eve were cut off from the tree of life, and now you and I are invited to eat from the tree of life that we might have life with God forever. And there's some incredibly beautiful notes in that one. Uh, one thing it says, it says, they will see his face. Don't sleep on that passage right there. Because I can promise you this, if you, were, if you were a Jew in the first century, you didn't sleep on that passage. 
What happened to people in the Old Testament when they saw the face of God? Anyone know? Johnny Ballgame. They were, they were done. And now, for some reason, we will actually be able to see the face of God. And then it, it tells us, you wonder what you're going to do in the afterlife? Do you, again, you think you're going to sit on a cloud and play the harp? Or a lot of us think everyone in the afterlife is staring down here at us going, I wonder what's still going on down there. I'll tell you what you're going to do in the afterlife. You're going to serve God forever. You're going to serve God. Like everything you do will be a sacrifice to God. Everything you do will honor God. The way we love each other will honor God. The way we greet each other will honor God. The way we give and, and the way we live and the way we, every single part, every breath we have will be honoring to God. And that's why we pray thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That we might start practicing for what will one day be perfected. That we would live with every breath as an honor to God. All right, last, last part I'm going to read. And this is a long portion. It was chat, verse 6 all the way to the end. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angels to show his servants the thing that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard them and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But the angel said, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your, and, your, and your fellow prophets and with all those who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. Then he told me, don't seal up the prophecy of this scroll because the time is near. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile be vile. Let the one who does right do right. Let the holy be holy. I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and last, beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside of the dogs and those who practice magic and sexual immorality and murders, all those who are still defined by their sin. But I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you, this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. The bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds to it or takes away from it, that person will get the plagues described in this scroll. If anyone takes the words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and the holy city which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. And thus, Scripture is completed. Amen. What were the first three words in the beginning? What's the last word? Amen. And what are we called to do in the meantime? It says it so clear. As John completes this conversation, John falls down and he worships. What are we called to do between the in the beginning and the amen? We're called to worship. And guys, it's like it's, sometimes I get so like frustrated that, that, that we can't see this, that I can't see it. I get so frustrated with myself that I don't spend more time worshiping, 
We don't spend less time worrying, less time worried about what you think, or less time worried about what we'll eat or what we'll wear, and just more time just focused on the face of God, because there is a day coming, I promise, when nothing else will matter. And we waste so much time, and we worry so much. The king is coming back. And if he showed up right now, what would he find you doing? Planning your Christmas list? I think our belief in Santa Claus is pretty clear. Sometimes I question whether or not the world really sees that we believe in Jesus. What do we do with this? He's real clear about it. He says, don't roll it back up and put it away. All right, don't, don't be that family that, hey, pastor's coming over. Get the Bible out. Put it on. I'm not going to get my Bible out when you come over to my house. Let's quit faking it. All right? What are we going to do with this? And the answer is this. Worship. Worship, worship, worship. With the way we, with the way we approach this Christmas mall, Worship. We better be the most generous people in the world if we believe what we say we believe. Because we don't deserve it, and we didn't earn it. And we know for a fact that our loved ones who have gone before, who were in the Lord, we will see them again. God is going to give us these things. Our, our questions will be answered. Our tears will be wiped. Our pains will be healed. It will all be clear to us one day. Worship. Praise him. We have, we have a few weeks before Christmas. And we have one job, and it is the most important job we have. Because many of you have a Savior, but many of them do not. And our job is to prepare the world for the coming of the King. Man, you guys come on up here. Y'all stand with me. Everybody in the room, just stand with me. I love this, this, this verse. It says, come. it says, the Spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes Take the free gift of the water of life. Are you thirsty? Do you have pain? Are, are you worried about the world? I, I spoke with a woman on the way in, and she said, I'm lonely. Are you lonely? Come. Do you need healing? Come. Are you full of pride? Come. Has your faith grown cold? Come. Have you gotten so religious that you've forgotten about the world's need for Jesus Christ? Come. Are you so consumed with self that you've lost sight of the king? Come, come. We're not waiting. We're not waiting like, like people in a movie watching something. We're waiting as those who are actively creating. Do you need the water of life? Worship. He's coming soon. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.